my name is Samuel Thomas, and I'm the new interim pastor here at Faith Covenant Church. Amen. Surprise! <laughs> Wait till you finish the Constitution. No. <laughs> so actually, uh, my brother and I, we're doing a swap. Mike is over uh, with the same joke with my folks today. I'm over here with you guys just sharing the tremendous and wonderful, beautiful news of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Uh, again, my name is Samuel Thomas, and I'm senior pastor at City Covenant Church, and there is a word from the Lord today. Amen? Amen. It is found in the book of Ecclesiastes. It's going to be in the ninth chapter, so if you have your Bibles with you, uh, you can, or if not, it'll be up on the screen in a moment. We'll be looking at verses 13 uh, through 18 for our reading and concentrating primarily on 13 through 15. Amen? The book of Ecclesiastes, uh, chapter 9, verses 13 through 18. Amen? So you have had a great time with the group earlier this morning. I probably won't holler at you guys as much as I hollered at them, okay? So it'll be all right. <laughs> I channeled some of that and, and doing pretty good. And so it reads as this. It says, uh, this wisdom I have also seen under the sun, and it seems great to me, colon, there was a little city with few men in it, and a great king came against it, besieged it, and built a great snare around it. Now there was found in it a poor wise man, and he by his wisdom delivered the city, yet no one remembered that same poor man. Then I said, wisdom is better than strength. Nevertheless, the poor man's wisdom is despised, and his words are not heard. Words of, a wise, of the wise spoken quietly should be heard rather than the shout of a ruler of fools. Wisdom is better than weapons of war. But one sinner destroys much good. I entitled this, uh, There is Nothing New Under the Sun, S-O-N. Father, we bless you, and uh, we're grateful for you, thankful for this opportunity to come. Lord, there are those who are experiencing grief and loss. This will be the first Thanksgiving, the first Christmas, the first New Year's without husbands and wives and fathers and children or mothers and family members. And so, Lord, I pray right now, you knew that there would be a time that we would need comfort, so you sent a comforter. Lord, I pray for that comforter to rest upon them. And then, Lord, I pray for those who may be struggling with ever hurts, habits, and hang-ups, those who are walking the road of sobriety, Lord. I pray that as the liquor flows and the weed fired up and all of that, Lord, that they would be able to be girded up under you and to stay within your strength, that you would protect them and keep them. And Lord, I thank you for this little church on the corner. I thank you for Faith Covenant Church that is doing the work of an evangelist. Lord, I pray for my brother in Christ, Mike. I pray that you would bless him and his beautiful wife that you would be with all the leaders and the congregants of this church, that they would continue to do the great work and uh, that you would just continue to bless them. Finally, Lord, teach. 
Holy Spirit, would you teach us? Would you strengthen and encourage us? Lord, I pray that we would have ears that would hear. We would have the hearts that would be attuned to you, that they would be pricked today. That someone would search what better ways they could serve you and be instruments of your will. And we bless you. Teach, Lord. It's in the blessed name of Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. It's been heavy on me. Yeah, it's been heavy. It's been heavy on Mike. It's been heavy on anyone who is delivering the gospel of Jesus Christ. The carnage, the destruction, the loss, the lack that we're experiencing in this season. And so as we come to you as pastors and leaders, our hope is that you will have a renewed spirit. That you would understand the great work that God has called you to do. Normally I don't redo sermons or preach sermons twice or whatever, but my father had passed and uh, doing a whole bunch of traveling and family had asked me to do the eulogy and I didn't want to throw anything together to come to Faith Covenant. I wasn't sure I would have the time that I need to study. I'm not as smart as Mike. Amen. You know, Mike already knows when he's preaching in February. Now. <laughs> Amen. I start on Wednesday. <laughs> For around Wednesday, I start looking at what we're going to do Sunday. Amen. And so uh, I thought I would share this with you. We've been doing parabolic teaching at our church where we've been examining the parables in the Bible. Uh, of course, most of us are most familiar with the parables of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, but they go back way farther than that. There are parables all throughout the Bible, and this one is one in the book of Ecclesiastes. And the parable deals with what I think the number one enemy that we're facing today, all right? And it is the attack against wisdom and against truth. Amen? So I know you probably think the attack is against your body. You probably think the attack is against your money and all this other kind of stuff. But the adversary is slicker than that. That's why Paul tells us that we have to constantly renew our minds. We have to constantly be feeding and, and, and strengthening our minds. So this parable was a great parable. The narrative is wonderful. I want to walk through it with you if you don't mind. Amen? So we live in a day and a time and a season where truth is very hard to get to because everybody has their own truth. We've got alternative truths. We've got my truth. My daddy never loved me. He never said it to me. He never hugged me. And I say, well, did he feed you? Yeah, he fed me. Did you have clothes? Yeah, we had clothes. Of course we had clothes. Was there a roof over your head? Yeah, we had a roof. Was your Christmas tree bare? No, yes, sir. I'd probably say your father loved you. And so, but your truth is this or that. Today, in order to tell truth, you've got to go on Netflix. Got to get a one-hour special. 
Amen? There has to be some type of satire. There has to be some kind of way we can trick people into examining things. Trick people in actually stepping into the other people's shoes and see what it might feel like on the other side. And so we got comedians who we're holding up as leaders. There's an absence of integrity, an absence of backbone. The people would just stand in the truth. See, we shouldn't have that problem in the body of Christ because we know the truth. See, the truth is not a thing, it's a person. Uh-oh. I see a little buzz. Boop, 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 coming all the And we have a relationship with that person. This teaching is a great teaching. You know, parabolic teaching is, you know, parables, a likeness to kind of represent something, uh, uh, to be likened to, if you will. Starting at verse 13, it says, the wisdom that I also have seen under the sun, and it seems great to me. Many people think that Solomon wrote Ecclesiastes, uh, but the scholarship doesn't support that. We're not exactly sure who wrote it. The language is somewhat different. Uh, but the writer of this book clearly had wisdom and clearly was inspired and moved by God. The entire chapter really is about death and how death comes to us all. No matter if you're a saint or a sinner, no matter if you're righteous, or wrong, no matter if you're rich or you're poor. The writer in this says there's one event that we're all going to experience, the event of death. I would go further and say actually there are three events that we're going to experience. We all experience birth, amen, and some of us experience new birth through Jesus Christ. But death, you know, they used to say death and taxes, right? Don't tell nobody. I've cheated on my taxes before. <laughs> Amen? That's between us. Death. That's the one. He comes to this conclusion after studying and watching and gaining wisdom. He goes on to say the time and chance happens to all. He goes on to say that no man knows the day. Proverbs 9 and 10 tells us that the beginning of wisdom is the fear and the knowledge of God. I don't care how many letters are behind your name. I don't care how many experiences that you have. If you do not have a relationship with God, you are not wise. The writer says here, he says in verse 13, this wisdom that I have also seen under the sun, and it seems great to me. He says the magnitude of this wisdom, the extent of this wisdom, 
uh, the, in number and in intensity and importance is something else. And then he goes on to tell the parable. Verse 14 says, there was a little city with few men in it. And a great king came against it, besieged it, and built a great snare around it. Many times we're not aware that we as the body of Christ especially have an adversary. One who has decided to come against us. And, and so oftentimes we think that the enemy is the Democrats. Or we think that the enemy is the Republicans. Or we think that the enemy is white people or the police or, or whatever. Pick, pick your enemy. That's what we think the enemy is. And if we weren't children of God, I'd give you a break. But we, the body of Christ, uh-oh, I'm hollering. But we, the body of Christ, have to understand that there's another greater adversary and all the Democrats are and all the Republicans are and all the this and the that is are instruments of that enemy. That's all they are. The analogy I gave to the group earlier today, I'm going to give to you. If a person came into your home in order to rob or to rape or to steal from you, and they had a knife in their hand, or they had a gun in their hand, would you attack the knife or the gun, or would you go after the person? Would you go after the actual enemy? But yet we spend our lives trying to mess with the gun and the knife, trying to mess with the weapon, trying to mess with the instrument of the enemy. Analogy I like to give is when I was a kid, I used to sick my dog on people. Amen. So I had a little scrappy little dog, mean little dog. And if you bothered me, I would go sick him. Sick him. What I want to tell you today is that if there is a person if there is an instrument that is coming against you, you need to learn how to put God on them. Just like the knowledge and the wisdom that little kid had, go get what the adversary is terrified of. The Bible says he knows God and he trembles. Your enemy, your adversary. And so you need to go and sit the Holy Spirit on. Sick the Lord on him. I told a story about uh, years ago, I, I was feeling mighty low. I had lost everything. Lost my house, lost my car, lost my job. Finally found a little job at a, as a leasing consultant at a company during the recession. And um, the property that we were managing, it had fell into foreclosure. So the managers came to me and they said, Samil, I want you to call down this list of people who have not paid their rent. 
and I want you to convince them to pay their rent. So, of course, I'm eloquent. I can kick it a little bit. So I'm calling people, hey, Ms. Johnson, how you doing? Hey, this is Samil up in the leasing office. Hey, came across our observation that you hadn't paid your rent. I was wondering if you could tell me what time you'd be coming to bring that in or when I could put you down and da-da-da. And so I made a few calls. Meanwhile, the manager is standing over my back and he's watching everything I'm doing. So once I finish, he says, look, Samil, that's not adequate enough. You're not being mean enough. You're not being forceful enough. You need to call these people and demand our rent. I said, man, we in the hood. Is you crazy? I'm not really cussing at these people and fussing at these people because guess who they're going to come to see? They ain't coming to see you. They're going to come to see me. Guess who still live in this neighborhood when you get in your car and you leave? So this guy says to me, he says, listen, if you don't do it my way, your days here are going to be short. Man, I needed that job. I lost everything. It took a while to find this job. So I went home, and I started sicking the Holy Spirit on that man. <laughs> Do you hear me? I went home, and I put him on the short list. Do you hear me? Every day I prayed for him. Every single day. One week later, I came to work. I'm sitting at my desk, and all of a sudden, a whole bunch of cars pull up. And all these people jump out, and they got briefcases, and they got their laptops and all this kind of stuff. They step in our office. They said, all right, would everybody be still and step away from your desk? So we step away from my desk. I'm thinking it's the FBI or something. I'm trying to figure out what's going on. And so I won't say the name of the company. They said, we're blah, blah, blah management, and we have now taken over this property. Step away from the desk. Don't touch anything. They corral all the management people, take them in the little conference room, come out, all of them are fired. They come over to me. They said, who are you? I'm Samil, I'm a leasing consultant. He says, okay, you can stay. Y'all missed it. I'm like, yeah! My God! God shifted that thing for me. He moved, he didn't destroy, smite thee, thy enemy. No, he didn't play that prayer. I just needed them to leave me alone. I needed this little job. And so I am saying to you that the God that we serve, you can go to him with the change of the government. You can go with him and talk to him about this issue or that issue, and then rest in his will. Rest in it. Donald Trump becomes president. Y'all said that was God's will. So what, he stepped off the throne or something? No, he didn't. You were the ones who wanted a king. You went to the king and told the king you wanted a king. And the king said, okay. You want a king? I'm going to give you a king. So now, live with it. He told you. He says, now, that king ain't going to be like me. He warned us up front. But we wanted to be like everybody else because everybody else had a king. 
thing. We have a king. And he controls your economy. He controls your peace. He's your protector. And he can shift and move. And here's what's so beautiful about him. When we walk in love, when we walk in righteousness, when we walk in godly wisdom, I love to tell people this. He ain't crying. It's like, what, what you saying to him, Mike? He ain't coming again. Can you imagine that God? Now, if I was God, I'd be like, come on. <laughs> but not God. God leans in. The narrative is wonderful. I love this parable. He says, he comes against us. And uh, what he wants to do he, is he wants to turn you. Uh, in the Greek, it meant turn back or turn you around. So you're trying to walk in godly truth. You're trying to walk in godly integrity. And so he comes against you to besiege you. He encamps around you. Amen? Okay, what's the purpose of encamping around you? He wants to cut off your source. In warfare, oftentimes the technique that was used was, okay, let me cut off their water supply. Let me cut off their admonition. Let me cut off their food. And now I can just wait them out. And so he encamps around you and your family and your children in the hope that you will just give up. And then the word goes on to say, and then he builds. So he's just not satisfied with you. He wants your children. He wants your grandchildren. He wants your health. He wants your money. He came to steal, kill, and destroy. And that word in the Greek means utterly destroy. You would think he got you on crack, that would be enough. You would think he broke up your marriage, that would be enough. You would think your child was incarcerated, that would be enough. No, it's not enough for the adversary. He wants to utterly destroy you. So you have to, it's not an option. You have to walk in godly wisdom. great snare around you. Verse 15 says, Now there was found in it a poor wise man. So the analogy that I would give you is that the little city is us, the church. Don't you feel like the little city sometimes? Don't you feel like you're like the only person that's trying to do right? It seems like everybody else is getting away with all of their schemes and all of their stuff. And here you are trying your very best to walk in integrity, trying your very best not to do this or not to do that. All right? And you feel so insignificant and so little. We are the little city, the church. He says, now there was in it a poor wise man. And by his wisdom delivered the city, yet no one remembered that same man. 
I just want to walk with you just a little bit through this. I need you to understand that the poor wise man in the analogy for me is Jesus Christ. All right, it was God's wisdom that delivered us. It was his love and his compassion for us that delivered us. Because what is God? God is love. So if you're trying to defeat the adversary outside of love, you place yourself in an improper position. How do we win them? How will they know that we are his disciples if we don't love? I challenged the group earlier today, and I'm going to challenge you. I don't care. This ain't my church. <laughs> I say, Mike, they don't want me anymore. Can't come back. Some of you don't want to go to Thanksgiving for some of your family members. You don't want to see the ignorance. You don't want to be around the drunkenness. You don't want to beef with the Democrats. You don't want to talk about the build the better, better, whatever. Whatever. But if you don't go, where will the light be? If you, the children in the light of God, are not in the room, then the room stays dark. And sometimes it ain't about your brother or about your sister or about your uncle, about your cousin, about the ignorance, about the drunkenness, about the whatever. It's about God wanting you to walk in there with love, compassion, and integrity and carrying his mantle even in the midst of darkness. If it's one thing this pandemic is taught us, it's how short and precious time is. How short and precious relationships are. Family is. And so it is your job, it's your duty to go. I found out my mother was an alcoholic, and uh, there were events I used to didn't want to go to. But sometimes I would go. And I found out that I had a little cousin that would watch me. He watched that I didn't drink. He watched that I didn't smoke. He watched me prosper. And he said, Uncle Sam, man, I always want to be like you. But if we don't go, you know what I mean? And go with a forgiving heart. Go with the love and compassion of our Lord. Godly wisdom. A couple of uh, scriptures I want to look at and we're going to get out of here. Amen? I'm going to let you get home to your chicken. Go to Matthew chapter 10, verse 16. Matthew chapter 10, verse 16. He says, I am sending you out like sheep among wolves. Therefore, be as shrewd as a snake and as innocent as a dove. Don't forget when you used to get high. Don't forget when you used to cuss people out. So you got a shrewdness. You know how to play the game. You know what the influences are over these folks. He says, but be as gentle, as kind as a dove. That's how they'll know that
that there's transformation in your life. That's how they'll know that this thing called Jesus is real. Because they remember when you, matter of fact, what's the first thing they tell you? You think you're holier than thou. I remember when you, right? And that's the first thing they say to you? See, I'm glad you remember when I, now I want you to remember when I don't. You can remember what I was, remember what I am. Amen? And so he wants us to be his witnesses. Romans chapter 16, verse 19 and 20. Everyone has heard about your obedience, so I rejoice because of you, but I want you to be wise about what is good and innocent about what is evil. The God of our peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Paul says, listen, I want you to be obedient to God because your reputation will precede you. When they're calling you holier than thou, don't be offended. Holy just simply means that you set aside. They don't recognize what it is. It don't mean that you sinless. It means that you sin less. Amen? And so you say, I want you to be wise in what is good. God is good. So you walk in him and innocent about what is evil. Don't partake. The adversary, he is an influencer. Most of us have never seen Satan. Uh-oh, I'm poor, I can't buy nothing. Most of us have never seen Satan. Satan has never dawned your door. You're too insignificant to Satan. Satan knows that his time is nigh. What he does is he influences you. He seduces you. But he, he not in your room. He's not in the car with you. His influence is. And his influence is so powerful because he's the prince of the air. You think he's there. That's why the word says all you got to do is resist him and he'll flee. All you got to do in, 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 in the Greek, all you got to do is tussle with him a little bit. Move a little furniture around and he'll flee. Go to John chapter 8, verse 44 and 45. I hope you're taking some notes and look at this later. You know, you can't have church over two hours now, people faint. <laughs> y'all miss that, don't worry, that's a preacher joke. <laughs> God forbid y'all keep y'all in here for two hours. But that's what it would take. Now, if you went to see the Rolling Stones, you want two hours. Go see, you know what I'm saying? Go see Frankie Bell and Mays, OJ's, Temptations, whatever. You want two hours. But God forbid the Christians stay in church all day. Hmm. I'll leave you alone. <laughs> you belong to your father, the devil. And you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, 
for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Yet because I tell you the truth, you do not believe me. That's what Jesus says to the Pharisees and the scribes. He wants you to understand that your adversary is not just a person that lies, but he is the father of lies. The New King James reads, when he lies, he lies out of his own resource. So like, when I tell a lie, I got to think about it. I got to come up with something. Satan's nature is lie. That's what you're up against. That's why you have to rest in godly truth. Get involved in one of these uh, small groups. Find out what else you can come and do here in the body of Christ. And then find out ways to take it out there. It's beautiful we're making cookies. Now, I was telling the group earlier today, you'd be surprised how many people came to Christ because of a good cookie. Amen? Don't, don't, your gifts make room for you. Back to uh, Ecclesiastes. It says the wisdom, by his wisdom, he delivered the city, yet no one remembered that same poor man. He says, then I said, wisdom is better than strength. Nevertheless, the poor man's wisdom is despised, and his words are not heard. The words of the wise spoken quietly should be heard rather than the shout of the ruler of fools. Wisdom is better than the weapons of war, but one sinner destroys much good. After the writer puts all of this stuff together, this is the conclusion that he comes to. The conclusion that he comes to, we find in John 14 and 6. Go there for me, please. Have I closed three times yet? Did I give you the first? This is the first close. I got a Baptist background. I got to do three. I got to be consistent. John 14 and 6. Jesus answered and said that I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is the way. Jesus is the source. Jesus is the path that we get to salvation, eternal salvation. No other way. I'm not arguing with nobody. I'm not. I know the truth. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to tell you the truth. And you can accept it or you cannot. That's on you. So I don't argue with my Muslim brothers and sisters. They believe that he's a great prophet. Believe that he's a great teacher. All right? Just about everybody believes that he was a great man. All right, I'll meet you where you are. If that's where you are, okay. We'll deal with that. But I need you to understand that he is the truth. God is the only real truth. And that truth leads to life. He says that I have come that you would have life and have it more abundantly. My second close. <laughs> There's a story I want to finish with. Um, there were two men. 
They were twins. One was named Liar. The other one was named Truth. They both were standing outside of town, and there was a river. Liar said to Truth, he said, man, I bet you I could beat you swimming across that river and back. Truth said, man, come on. You know I'm faster than you. You know I'm better than you, man. Don't even try. He said, no, man, I bet you I could beat you. So they both took off their clothes. Liar said, okay, I'm going to count to three. We're going to jump in the water. We're going to see who wins. One, two, three. Truth jumps in, but Liar doesn't. Truth is so busy trying to win, he's just pushing away. He's pushing away. He's pushing away. While Truth is gone, Liar takes Truth's clothes and puts them on. Liar takes Truth's clothes, puts them on, and then sashays all throughout the town, pretending he's Truth. Just talking to everybody and telling everybody this. Finally, Truth finished uh, the swimming. He gets back to the shore, and he realizes that his clothes are gone. Refusing to put on Liar's clothes, Truth walks into the city naked. The people in the city see Truth naked and they just, you know, ridicule him and talk about him. Who does he think he is? How could he come in here like that? Just trying to cover himself. No, that's not, uh-uh, that's not acceptable. And da 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 The moral of the story is that we would rather believe a dressed up lie than the naked truth. Do you hear me? My last quote. I, I pastor a, a small, poor church in Brightmoor. Brightmoor is arguably one of the poorest communities in the state of Michigan, and some people say even the nation, we would be in the top 20 or something like that. Heard all kinds of statistics. What was funny is when we first planted, people would come to me they say, Pastor, my car broke down down the street, man, and uh, if you could just give me $10, I could get some gas to put in my car, and then I can make it. And you know, I'll come to church on Sunday, and I'll give you your money back. And somebody else will come to me and say, Pastor, man, da-da-da, they're going to cut off this, they're going to cut off that, man, if you could just give me $50, and you could just give me this, and you could just give me that. And finally, I realized <laughs> that these people were playing me. That somewhere there was a billboard that said, go to that dummy if you need money. <laughs> go to him, you can tell him any lie and he'll believe it. So I started getting to the place where I started discerning. I started using godly wisdom. Instead of giving you the money, let's go to the gas station. All right? Instead of giving you the money, bring me your DTE account. I'll call it and I'll take care of it. I started using godly wisdom. You understand? That's what I'm saying to you. All right? Use godly wisdom. You know, we used to have the thing that said, what would Jesus do? Y'all remember that? We don't do that no more. Now we need a thing. We think Google knows everything. Amen? But actually, pick up your Bible. All minds clear. You bow your heads. There is somebody here today, because there always is, 
who does not have a saving relationship with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I want to invite you today to surrender yourself to Jesus. It's simple. It's a small prayer that we pray. It's called the prayer of salvation. Oftentimes, I ask people to pray it with them, that we pray it collectively, because when I was unsaved, I was in church for two years and was not saved. But I was embarrassed to say the prayer because I didn't want the other people to know that I wasn't saved. Amen? And so if you, if you don't mind, say it with me. And maybe that will encourage that person that's unsaved to go ahead and say it. Say, Lord, I'm a sinner. Lord, forgive me of my sins. I ask you into my heart. Be my Savior. In Jesus' name. Amen. Simple prayer. If you prayed that prayer today and you meant it in your heart that Jesus is Lord. The word says he stands at the door. He's not at the physical door. He's at the door of your heart. And he's knocking. God is a gentleman. You have to invite him in. If you invited him in today, believe it or not, you have entered into this tremendous journey of salvation. There's a connection card. Fill out that connection card. Indicate on it if you want more information about salvation. And the beautiful folks here at Faith Covenant will get it to you. God bless you. Have a tremendous day in the Lord. Amen. Amen.